0: Bibles now, and we're going to get into God's word, which is truth, Revelation chapter 22. And before we begin, and before I begin making commentary on Revelation 22, uh, beginning in verse six, I'm gonna say a quick prayer and ask God to anoint me as I read his word, and ask God to anoint you as you listen to his word. You see, his word is both timeless, that is, it speaks to us no matter what time we are in, but it also is timely. It speaks to us right where we're at. And so God has a divine word for you today via his word transferred to you through his spirit. So we're going to pray right now for God to do just that. Lord, would you do that? Would you speak to us through your timeless word? That is that your word speaks to every generation, whether it's the year 1200 or 2020. You speak through your word. It's timeless. But it is also alive and active. It's able to discern and to speak. It's anointed. It's timely. It speaks to us right now on November 29th, 2020. And Lord, I pray you'd stir up the church. You'd stir us up and feed us and guide us, Lord. The Bible says that your word is profitable for correction and for reproof, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So Lord, what you're going to speak today is for our learning and for our admonition, for our encouragement and our instruction. So we, Lord, sit before you as pupils And as those who love you and love your word, would you make us even more so today? In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, Amen and amen. Hey, check this out. We're gonna end Revelation chapter 22 today. So put yourself in that mindset. We've gone through chapter one and chapter two and chapter three, a letter to the churches. And we've seen chapters four and five, that heavenly scene, the rapture of the church, which we're awaiting next after the church age will initiate the rapture in the heavenly seven-year age. And then we saw chapters six through 19 and all the way into chapter 20, where the judgment upon planet earth, the wrath of God is poured out on a Christ-rejecting, God-forsaking, sinful world that doesn't want anything to do with God and we see that God's gonna do all that and it's on his job description it's his prerogative and he's got the ability to do it and he's got the authority to do it and he's got the wisdom to do it not only that though we studied chapters 21 and chapter 22 now which is a futuristic promise a heavenly scene of the things that are coming the good that awaits you and I as believers we saw a couple weeks ago that heaven is renewed that heaven is real, that heaven is relational, that heaven is full of relief, that heaven is refreshing, that heaven is full of rewards, that heaven is also restricted. Not everyone's going to heaven. This is conflicting and offensive to some, but I've realized, look, the only people that get to go to heaven are the ones who truly want to go to heaven, okay, in Jesus' name. The ones who wanna go there through the way, the truth, and the life, through the door, through Jesus himself. So if you wanna go to heaven, if you have a heart for heaven and a heart for Jesus, man, you're on the way. But if you're resistant and not wanting to have this man rule over you, well, then the Lord's doing a work in your heart today. Let this man, this, this isn't just an opinion. This isn't just my thoughts. This isn't just John's ideas. As a matter of fact, look at verse six. It says this in Revelation 22. Then he said to me, these words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his holy angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. In case you're wondering, how, do I, how can I believe all this stuff? How do I know it's true? Because he said so. I've chosen to read the Bible with that simple conclusion. He said it. I believe it. That settles it. Do you, do I still have questions? Absolutely. I, I don't, I'm, I'm kind of a dumb-dumb when it really comes down to it but I've chosen to put my hand in the hand of the one who can do all things. Okay, I would would suggest you do the same. How can we trust it because he said so? Number two, because he sent his holy prophets, the Old Testament prophets, to declare the things that would come. And you know what? They happened just as they said. All the prophecies came true. So if you're wondering, does this stuff check out? It does. Thirdly, he sent an angel, which is pretty indicative of an important message. And fourthly, he says, the things that are happening must shortly take place. We're gonna talk about that time analogy a few times as we mention it in the rest of the text. Three times in Revelation 22, Jesus will say, behold, I'm coming quickly. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Surely, I'm coming quickly. You think he's trying to get a message across? You think he's trying to tell us something? As a matter of fact, look at verse seven. He says, behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Now, anybody who has any sort of critical mind at all would say behold I'm coming quickly behold I'm coming quickly surely I'm coming quickly Uh, he said that how how long ago was that 2,000 years ago just 2,000 years ago I'm coming quickly I I just have a few questions you'll remember the word quickly in the Greek is the word tachy t-a-c-h-y it's a Greek word and it's where we get our English word tachometer It's where we measure the revolutions per minute in your car, RPMs, and as things begin to go faster, they speed up and the RPMs increase. And what Jesus is saying is not that he's going to come suddenly in that moment, but as things speed up, his coming will be quickly. The the revolutions per minute will increase and the speed of his return, once it engages, listen, it's very important, it's gonna happen quickly. When the timepiece of his prophetical marks in time connect. And you guys know that when Israel became a nation, 1948, right around May 14th, 1948, 72 years ago thereabouts, Israel became a nation. And that exponentially moved the ball down the field and the, quickly the tachometer began to spin. And you guys know that Matthew 24 says Jesus' own words when the generation that sees the fig tree blossom they shall not pass before the coming of the son of man most commentators most bible students most Christians believe that the blossoming of the fig tree speaks of the rebirth of a nation of Israel the fig tree that it was reborn in 1948 and the generation that saw that happen they won't pass before the coming of the son of man what does that mean it means that if you were born in 1948, you're 72 years old. My dad was born in 1949, love you dad, uh, March uh, 25th. You can give him a birthday card later. And he was born in that generation and he's not yet passed, he's still here. And those who are born, so we still have some time, but man, it's happening quickly. And you who are Bible students and who have seen the peace treaties in the Middle East signed by President Trump and all the things that are happening and the, the no's and the who's and the what's and what's they're doing, things are happening quickly. So so what do we do? Look what it says in verse seven. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. What does that mean? We talked about that. There is a unique blessing that comes from reading, hearing, and keeping the book of Revelation. Not just the book of Revelation, but the Bible itself. Now, you might stumble at this point and say, oh man, the only ones that are blessed are the ones that keep it, the ones that actually are able to do it and perform it. And there's some truth to that. When you stumble, when I fail, man, there's a, rough sledding ahead of us. When we keep God's word and his commandments and do it right, there's a blessing. His bless his burdens, his commandments are not a burden, they're a blessing. But let me just help you understand what keeping it literally means. Blessed is he who keeps the words of this prophecy. Next to my bed, upstairs in my house, I have a nightstand with a light on it and a clock and a glock and a clock. They're both there. Anyways, and I have all that stuff there. But in the drawer, I have my keepsakes. Things that my kids have drawn for me and cards my wife has given to me and I, I keep them. They're special to me. Some things get put in a different spot, but there's keepsakes that are put in that drawer right there by my bed. I keep them. What the Bible is saying for you and to me, as things get weird and gnarly and as we progress through our lives, both personally and publicly, and things happen to you privately, and keep the words of this prophet. Hold on to it. Cherish it. If God be for us, who can be against us? He who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches, the the promises. No matter what's going on, do you keep his word? What's gonna happen to you if you do? You'll be blessed. Literally, it means you'll be happy. If you're looking for happiness right now in your wealth or in your health or in your relationships or your experiences, okay, it's going to be a fleeting fool's errand. There's not gonna be enough health, enough wealth, enough relationships or enough experiences to sustain true happiness because happiness is oftentimes based upon what's happening in that moment. And oftentimes, what's happening in that moment isn't very fun. Yet, if you want to be truly blessed, okay, it comes through a greater anchor of your soul, the promises of God's word. Blessed is he who keeps. Trust this. You're going to, I wish I could say 2021 is going to be easier, don't you? I don't know. I don't know. Nobody saw 2020 coming the way it did. And yet, the Lord says, keep the words of this prophecy. Be blessed in that, be blessed. Look at verse eight, he gives us some instructions and some other things to learn from. Now I, John, I saw and heard these things, and I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. And then he said to me, see that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant and of your brethren, the prophets and of those who keep the words of this book, worship God. Stop right there as of here, a few things. Some commentators that I learned from said, there's no way John did this a second time. You guys remember the first time he did this? He fell down, he worshiped the angel because he was so overwhelmed by the message and the angel rebuked. him. Like, said, what are you doing? Stop it, stop it. And now he does it again. This one commentator said, there's just no way he would do it two times in a row. And yet when I look at my own life, I find I fall into the same sins more than once. I don't, maybe, maybe me and a couple others. Do you, do you do that? Do you struggle with a few certain mistakes and foibles like over and over, even though you've repented? even though you said sorry, even though you've promised never to do it again and then you, uh, this scene encourages me because John's just a dude and he was so overwhelmed in that moment that he he made a mistake and yet the angel comes over and says, knock it off. Hey, you made a mistake. Stop doing that and then he gave him instruction of how to do it right. Worship God. Don't worship me. This is a huge encouragement for guys and gals who are real. Matter of fact, if you struggle with sin, if you struggle with doing the right thing, if you struggle, man, you're, you're probably alive in Christ. You're not giving into the flesh and staying down. When you make mistakes, the same instruction comes to you, worship God. Now what happened to John here is interesting. He was so overwhelmed by this heavenly vision from this heavenly messenger that he began to worship, listen, the messenger instead of the man behind the message, Jesus Christ. Let me, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. There is a temptation to do that, especially in, in churches these days, where there are powerful messengers authors and musicians and pastors. There are people that you relate to that, oh man, when he teaches, when he leads us in worship, when he writes his books, oh, and there can be this idolatry where we accidentally worship the wrong person because it's really sneaky. But be aware of it. We see it here in the scriptures. It's probably happening in your life too. You can appreciate pastors and churches, but really listen, this is very important. This angel, or this messenger, says, "You know what? Worship God. And I want to just make sure you are doing this. I, I hope you love me. I really do. I hope you love Luke Rochette. I just because that helps me. I, that's, that's cool. But you better worship God. I hope you love South Beach Church, man. We just love you and South Beach Church. But you better worship God. I hope you're serving somewhere in your life group or your Sunday school or even your spouse or your kids. But but your Sunday school, or your spouse, or your life group or, or your what those things aren't. You got to worship God." Do what you do as unto the Lord. Kind of like my shirt says, for God's glory and others good. It's gotta be for God. When Paul addressed the Ephesian elders there in Acts chapter 20, he told them what he had done. He said, when I showed up among you, I served the Lord, which is kind of cool. He didn't serve them. He didn't serve the church. He didn't serve a, a board or an elder or a deacon name tag. He served God. Guys, worship God. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. Well, John makes this mistake, but he gets the instruction and the instruction is valuable for you and for me. And it says, worship God. Look at verse 10. And he said to me, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book for the time is at hand. Stop right there, eyes up here. The angel said, I just love this, man, just for me, maybe it's just me. John makes a critical mistake. He worships the wrong thing, gets rebuked, gets corrected and instructed, listen, and then he in- immediately gets contracted to go out and make sure that everyone knows about the gospel. This is incredible. You think there would be a little time out for John. Like, all right, John, you worship the angel again, you dumb-dumb, you gotta go sit over here for 35 days and kind of think about what you did and lick your wounds and maybe then we'll reemploy you. Instead, he just gives him the instruction. The grace is metered out. Worship God. You ready? You ready? Okay, now go out there and don't seal the words of this book for the time is at hand. This is so, grace changes everything. Grace changes everything. This morning on my way to church, I saw a, a friend of mine who, who I believe is struggling with um, active addiction. And when I saw this friend, I waved at him and, and he waved back at me, I could see the battle. In, in Newport, we have a lot of members at South Beach Church who struggle with active addiction. They, they have good months and bad weeks and good weeks and bad months, you, you know them. And as I saw this man, I just, I just prayed blessings on him. Lord, you bless him. Get him out of the funk, get him out of the ditch, get him right back, get him right back into the game. And here, this messenger tells John immediately, hey, make sure you go out there and tell everyone everywhere about the message. This is grace, guys. Grace changes everything. Try it in your own life. Maybe you're on the ropes right now or you're in the ditch because of some sort of foolish behavior or ideology. And the Lord would say, you done yet? Let's go. One time I was counseling a man who was super overwhelmed with his own sin, and I asked him a simple question. I said, is your sin bigger than Jesus' blood? uh, No, obviously not. Then stop acting like it is. Get back in the game. Look at what he says, though, in verse 10. And he said to me, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. Now, in the book of Daniel, chapter 8 and chapter 12, Daniel got revelations from God, and he was instructed, seal it up. Don't share right now, back in the year 500 BC. Don't, don't share right now because the revelations that you were given, they're for the end days. They're not for the people of Israel in the year 500 BC. Keep, keep them to yourself. And so that's what he did. It wasn't for them. He, he kept the book sealed because they, those revelations were about the book of Revelation. But now in John's day, he says, no, 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 no. These, these revelations, these prophecies, don't seal them. Why? For the time is at hand. That word time, different than the word quickly, which is tachai this word is kairos. And it's where we get our English word where we would say, you know what, man? It's time, not time, kronos, what time it is, but kairos, it's that time. It's what you would say to a graduate on his graduation day, this is your time. It's what you would say to a couple before they get married the morning of their wedding. It's time, it's your big day, it's time. Okay, so let's use it in that context. For the time is at hand. What time? The time to share the gospel. The time to share the word. The time to be about the business of God, to be about the things of God, to have your mind set on God. This is what John was instructed to do. This is what the church has to have in our marching orders. It's time, it's go time. And time is short, behold, I come quickly. Guys, as I was reading this and musing and contemplating my own selfishness and shortcomings, the Lord was just kind of grading me over and smoothing me out saying, Luke, how much time do you waste? How much time do you choose just to waste? You know it's time. You know the gifts I've given you. You know the urgency. You know the message. Luke, how selfish are you? And I begin to just examine my own heart going, ah, sometimes I don't wanna share. Sometimes I don't wanna be nice. Sometimes I don't wanna pray for people. Sometimes I just wanna hide. That's me just being broken. What do you do with that? You read this portion, verse 10. And he said to me, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book for the time is at hand. Can I just encourage you evangelists, you Christians, you shepherds, you pastors, you moms, you dads, okay? Double down, okay? Get tough. Pain is a privilege. Hard work pays off, okay? Steward the time that God has given to you. Don't waste it. This exhortation comes right on the heels of a mistake, and yet there is a command to get out there. Look at verse 11. This is how important it is. It says, he who is unjust, this messenger says, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. But listen, he who is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he who is holy, let him be holy still. Simply put, what the messenger is saying now to John is, look, it's go time, share the message because here's the bottom line, the chips are gonna fall where they may. The people who are unjust and filthy, that's their choice, it truly is their choice. They're gonna stay that way. The people who are righteous and who are holy, you're gonna stay that way because you've chosen to put your eyes on Jesus. It's almost as if the messenger is telling John, stop worrying about who's who and what's what. Just share the gospel. I need to hear this message over and over. When the man went out to sow the word, it was a parable of Jesus. He sowed four different types of soil. One was rocky, one was barren, one was a path well-traveled, and one was good soil. Mathematical equation says that when that person sowed his seed, which is the word of God, there was a 75% failure rate. 25% came back alive. Now, if you're... Me, you're like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to waste 75% of my breath on people that aren't going to bear fruit. Hey, you know what? Not your problem. Not your problem. It's not your problem. You share the word in season and out of season. Preach the gospel. You see, if you're like me, you, you wait to, you wait. Maybe this person, oh, no, not then. Oh, the, you wait. I don't know if that's what we're supposed to do. We're obviously not supposed to throw pearls before swine and get into arguments of people that are hard hearted and obstinate towards the Lord. But here's the deal. Your little mustard seed of faith will not return void. It'll produce fruit. Sow seeds with your spouse, sow seeds with your kids, sow seeds with your neighbors. Don't grow weary in well-doing for in due season, we will reap a harvest if we do not lose heart. And those who are unjust will be unjust still. Those who are evil and filthy, it's almost like that messenger saying, look, if you, if you made it this far, if you've read the whole book of Revelation and you still don't want anything to do with God, I got bad news for you. You won't have anything to do with God. That's your choice. You can observe, you can concern, can consider and you can weigh the evidence and if you come up with this conclusion, I just don't want anything to do with them. Unrighteous and filthy. That's your choice. You, on the other hand, who have weighed the evidence, you've read the book and you're like, this is good stuff. Whoa. Whoa, this is good stuff. I remember when I went to the Ashton Christian Fellowship for the very, very first time, I was an active drug dealer, not walking with God. And yet I knew I needed to get back to church. And so I went to church and when Pastor Andy Green preached the Bible, he just taught the Bible. He he preached out of the Bible. I'd never seen that happen before. It went into my head, down to my heart and changed my life. And I said, I want, I want that, whatever. Hey, I want some of that. Can I get some more? And there was another service. So I stayed for the next service and I never stopped going. I showed up early, I stayed late. I said yes to everything. How are you responding? Are are you filthy still and unrighteous? Man, careful, careful. But are you righteous and holy? Well, then you are holy and righteous still. Look at what happens next. Look at verse 12, another promise from Jesus, red letters. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his works. Stop right there, eyes up here. This is a promise to John and to the church and to us that when Jesus returns, it will happen quickly, but he's also gonna come with a reward in his hand. What you do now matters, how you work, how you invest. It will return and Jesus will at the end days have a account set aside for you based on what you do now. Your life matters. You are saved by grace through faith, not of works lest anyone should boast, but you are also his workmanship. The verse goes on in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. You are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. You saved apart from your works in order that you might then live your life by works. Not to stay saved, but because you're saved, because it all counts. Jesus is coming with his reward. What's the reward? Paul says in the book of Thessalonians that his joy, his crown, listen, this is cool, his joy and crown, the rewards, was actually the people of Thessalonica. (laughs) He said, "You you wanna know what makes me the happiest in the whole world? People getting saved. You wanna know what makes me the happiest in the whole world? is when I see my wife, my kids, my spouse, my friends, my family, my neighborhood changing. When I see the culture around me changing. Guys, in Newport, we've experienced a cultural shift in the last 10 years. There, are, there is a cultural shift. It's slow, but it's steady. People are wearing Jesus' real shirts, and Jesus saves, and Jesus changes everything. And there's, there's a cultural shift. There's a, there's a conversation happening about Jesus Christ here in Newport, Lincoln County. Okay, this is important. And I hope that is your crown and joy. I hope that's what you live for, seeing lives changed because that is going to be your reward in heaven. Did you know when you get to heaven, Jesus will have rewards for you? But additionally to the rewards in Jesus's hands will be the men and women you impacted. It'll be the people you prayed for, the people you bought presents for this Christmas. It'll be the people that, that on the angel tree that you, you don't even know and you just buy this and you give it back and God is going to use that in their life. And you're going to get to heaven and they're going to come over to you and say, hey, you bought me a present. You changed my life. You changed everything for me. You you, you partnered with the Salvation Army. You did this for me. You you served in Sunday school for me. You took care of my kids. And I know we were rambunctious. I know we were crazy. But man, it it changed my life. You came to the jail. You went to the soup kitchen. You did an event. You did something for me. You gave money to South Beach Church and they gave it to Lebanon. And they bought trucks and they bought vehicles and they bought things for people. Jesus says, verse 12. Behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Work's not a bad word when it comes to your response to salvation, which comes free. As a matter of fact, look at verse 13. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, lest you be deceived and think that this is just somebody giving his opinion. Jesus says, I'm before and after and under and in all things. This is how it goes. This is the way. Verse 14, blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. Again, blessed are those who do his commandments. Those who take the gospel seriously. Those who are saved, free, but then respond with energy and eagerness and readiness and devotion and discipline and cultivation, adding to their faith virtue. The ones who look at their Christianity and say, is it broken? Is it broken? And then they do something different. They have that privilege of pain and become better than when they began. You know what the very first command, though? The very first important thing to do. Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment is, and it's to love God. But Jesus was also asked one day in John 6, 29, commit this to memory. The Pharisees asked Jesus, what must we do to do the works of God? And Jesus simply said, believe on him who he sent. The biggest work, the only work, the major work, the first work is to believe. And once you've done that belief, look at what it says in verse 14. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that would be believing in Jesus, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates under the city. A tree of life, gates, city, access, resources, inclusion. How is all this happening? Listen, it's so simple, by believing in Jesus. Do you believe in him? Peter was sinking one day. Lord, save me. I got you. There's a thief on the cross. Lord, remember me. I got you. There's lepers and laymen crying out, Jesus, heal me. I got you. There's little kids that want to hang out with Jesus. Jesus says, I got gotcha. you. It's all about Jesus. It's all about him. You want to have access to and fro the gates. You want to make sure that your robes are washed and clean. And all, all things are happening good. Guys, the heart of every issue is an issue of the heart. And it comes down to your relationship with Jesus Christ. We got to finish this. We're going to keep going, guys. It says, but, but, oh man, contrast. Outsider Dogs sorcerers, sexually immoral, murderers, idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. Now, this is not an exhaustive list of those who won't be saved, but simply put, this is a list of those and what they do that are not saved. This is what they'll be about. Firstly, it says dogs, okay? Now, this doesn't mean that your dog won't be in heaven. My dog, Kaya, for sure, will be in heaven with us. When she dies, she's going to heaven, okay? Mark my words. Your, your dog, too. This doesn't mean dogs by that way of Fido and all the rest. And there's some differentiation between conclusion of scholars and what dogs mean. Some would conclude that it means just evil people, just bad guys. That that makes sense to me, but there's something more insidious. And I want you to catch up on this. Paul called the Jews who had become Christians and who were overly religious dogs. Let me say that again. Paul called super religious people dogs. John here says dogs aren't going to heaven. (laughs) What? You mean super religious people won't go to heaven? Maybe. Because super religious people oftentimes miss Jesus Christ. They actually go to church, they connect, they serve. They, 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 it's all works, it's not faith. It's all works, it's not grace. It's all works, it's not salvation. You know what Jesus says about those people? If, if you know those people or are those people, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're not saved. Oh my God, I go to church, I try, all I right, right. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you're not saved. Jesus will say on that day, behold, I don't know you. Depart from me. Oh, and they will excuse themselves. But I did, I did works in your names and miracles and I was kind and I don't know you. You're a dog. Wow. Hey, there's an invitation. Anybody can go. Everybody should go. Not everybody will go. It says not only will there be dogs outside, but sorcerers. This is the word in our English language, pharmacia, where we get our word pharmacy or pharmaceuticals or, or drug users. Sorcerers is what it says, which makes a lot of sense. And he, sorcerers or dark magic or black magic or alternative spirits, which really, that's what drug use is. It's an alteration of your mindset. It's a spiritual diversion and deviancy. And Jesus says the people who do that, the people who take drugs constantly and the people who take black magic and sorcery and palm reading and do witchcraft and zodiac signs, all of those things, the people who practice that, eh, they're off, they're they're a sorcerer. They're gonna be on the outside. It goes on to say the sexually immoral, that is the people who have their sexual orientation outside of God's prescription, outside of what God says, this is how it works. This is big boy, big girl talk right here. God says, this is the way it works. And as we study its word and direction and then compare it to our lives, it's imperative that we adjust to it, not adjust it to us. It also says that murderers, idolaters, and those who love and practice a lie, murderers are those who are violent, those who are abusers, those who are, are indeed uh, those who just murder others, idolaters, anybody who worships anything other than God, and liars and those who practice a lie. Now stop right there, eyes up here. If you're honest, we've all said some lies. We've all been idolatrous. We've all been uh, violent or abusive, or we've all made mistakes. We've had wrath, moments of wrath. We've all had sexual immorality. If you're on, it's just, man, we just, we haven't done it right. We've all gone to other sources in our sorcery and maybe even a little drug use for some of us at South Beach Church. And we've all done that. Listen, the key point here is at the very end of verse 15. It's the one who loves and practices a lie or who loves and practices all these things. I've stumbled in every one of these areas, stumbled. And yet, you know what, I don't love it. I don't practice it. I, st- I try and stop doing it. There was a time in my life where I did love it. Do you remember that time in your life? And you loved it. You actually practiced it. You tried to be the worst bad guy you could be. Do you remember that? I remember those days, it's called college for me. I tried to be the worst bad guy I could be. I tried hard, I tried to be worse than other bad college guys. That was my mindset. Till the Lord touched my heart. Now I don't practice those things. Now I don't, I don't love those things. I I stumble, you stumble. So if you stumble, if you did one, oh no, I've done these, I'm gonna be on the outside looking in. Well, what do you love more? The Lord or this life or or these sins? Well, I I love the Lord more. He's changed your heart. He's changed your heart read with me verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright in the morning star, lest you want to argue with the Lord or his word. He says, look, I'm everything. I sent my angel. I testified. I'm the root and the offspring of David. The root means the lowest beginning part. The offspring means the fruit. He's beginning and end, he's Alpha and Omega, he's first and last. He's before David, before Abraham, and he's after David, when he came through Mary and Joseph. Jesus is saying of himself, I'm God. I make the rules. I decide what happens. I'm over everything. Jesus was arguing, I think it was John eight with the Pharisees, and he said something about their father, Abraham, and then he went on to say, before Abraham was, I am whoa, 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 whoa! Man, it freaked them out. <laughs> they said you can't, you can't say that you were before Abraham. You're not only, you're not 50 years old, is what they said. What Jesus was implying. They even asked him, "Who do you think you are?" Well, he was telling them, that "He's God. He's Jesus Christ. He's the bright and morning star. That means even in the darkness, before the sun has risen, Jesus is still the light." matter of fact, this morning I came down the stairs before the sun had risen and I looked out this little window in our house above the ocean, and there was this one little star, and this verse came to my mind. Even in the darkness, he shines. Final thoughts, verse 17. And the spirit and the bride say come. And let him who hears say come. And let him who thirsts come. And whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Verse 17, this is the end of the Bible. This is the last message. The spirit and the bride say come. Let him who hears say come. Let him who thirsts come to the water freely. Let everybody come. Did you know that throughout the Bible, the message of salvation is evident and obvious that God wills that none should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of salvation. Throughout the Bible, there is a message of repentance and salvation, inclusion and offering. Throughout the scriptures, it's simply put, come, come, come on, let's go. All you who are weary, come to me, Jesus would say. Learn of me. Take my yoke upon you for my burden is easy and light. Learn of me. Do you know what the very first words in the gospel of John that are red letters? The very, very first words. Very, very first. The first thing that Jesus says, John chapter one. Jesus looks at some disciples and he says, what do you seek? Such a good question. What are you looking for? And they said, we're looking for, we're looking, you know, and they, they said what they're looking for. And the second words out of Jesus' mouth were, Come and see. Let's go. Come and see. Come. The Spirit and the bride say, Come. Now I say that to say this. The Spirit's message is Come. Come to the waters. Come freely. Isaiah chapter one. Come let us reason together. Though your sins be scarlet, man, they should be white as snow. Isaiah 55, the Spirit says through Isaiah, come to the waters freely, you who have no money. Buy and eat and enjoy. For my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. See, Jesus wants everybody to say, that's what the Spirit's doing. Notice what it says here in verse 17, this is so important. And the Spirit and the bride say come. What? It's not just the message of the Bible, not just the message of the Spirit, not just the message of Jesus. It's got to be, it is the message of the bride. That's me, that's you, that's the church. You see, it's a partnership. Without him, I can't. Without me, he won't. God will not save Newport. He will not save Lincoln County. He will not save Oregon. He will not save America without the partnership of the bride. The bride has to be willing to say to its neighbors, to say to its spouse, to say to its kids, to say to its enemies, Come to the waters freely. And you who are broken out and down and sinful and bad, come. This is so huge because I've already mentioned this. I'm kind of picky. I'll invite people to get saved that I think are, you know, know, maybe worthy, maybe ready, maybe willing, maybe valuable. God says, stop it. You go into the highways and the byways and you invite everybody. The spirit and the bride say, come. Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh because he knew that God was gracious and would save all those nasty Ninevites. God made him go, and God saved all those nasty Ninevites. (sighs) The Lord wants to save your neighbors. The Lord loves your neighbors, your neighbors. Remember your neighbors? You guys have neighbors, right? I've actually got a a whole bunch of good neighbors. They go to South Beach Church, good neighbors I love. I just, good neighbors. And and I've got got other people close to me, neighbors that I, I don't know. I don't think they like me. I don't think, you know, oh, and the Lord says, yeah, I want, I love them. I love them. As a matter of fact, look at verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let him who hears say, come. In other words, if you've heard the gospel, your response is to answer it. And then your verbiage is to say, come to others, to invite others. Him, him who hears is to respond by saying, come on, let's go. See, we think it's important to be responsive to the gospel personally and to commit to Jesus in our discipleship and dedication and discipline, and that's true. But like my shirt says, we do everything we do for the glory of God and the good of others. Let him who hears say come. Reminds me of the four lepers that were on the outside of the Syrian wall there and were cast out and found that bounty and the food and they were eating and they were all starving to death previously and they said, whoa, 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 whoa. This is a day of good news. We have to go in and tell everyone. Otherwise something bad's going to happen to us. We got to share this good news. It goes on to say not just those who hear, let him say come, but it goes on to say whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Don't 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 make the door smaller to salvation. Let the Lord save those who he's going to save through you. Now this is as it says in my Bible The time is near, Jesus testifies to the church, and now we end on a somber warning. There's a warning. It says in verse 18, For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book, and if anyone takes away from the words of this book, of the prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. Stop right there, eyes up here, what? It's pretty clear to me, as God signs off on not just the book of Revelation, but the Bible, he says, guess what, guys? I did it right. It's enough. You can trust it. You can accept it. You can swallow it. You can digest it. You can walk it. Uh, But I got a question. What about dinosaurs? What about dinosaurs? What about dinosaurs? You know, listen, there's enough in the book to get you where you need to go. You don't need to add to it. And you don't need to take away from it. There are people that say, yeah, but man, there's some good stuff out there by Confucius and, and by Buddha and, and by Mohammed and, and by Joseph Smith. And there's some, addi- there's some additional things out there that maybe the Bible just didn't quite cover. Okay? You don't need to ask Oprah what she thinks about the Bible. You don't need to ask Rob Bell what he thinks about the Bible. You don't need to ask these counterfeits and these heretics what they're adding to the Bible or, or taking away. People will say, "Well, I, I, oh, oh, you're a Christian? Yeah, that's cool, that's cool, yeah. Have you read? And they'll offer other books. No, I haven't. I, there's enough in here that is clear and plain and simple and that I'm not walking in. I don't need to add any other books. Be careful. He said it, I believe it, that settles it. And don't take anything away. Have you ever read the Bible before and you came across a portion that you didn't like and you just wish wasn't there? Okay, if that hasn't happened to you, you're reading it wrong, for one. Okay, you got to read it the right way. It should conflict you. It should go against the grain. It should call you into order. It should call you out. If you haven't been offended by this book in your flesh, you didn't read it wrong. You, You read it wrong. But there's a temptation within humanity to say, yeah, I don't like that. I don't like that. And that that weird stuff in the Old Testament, and that weird stuff in the law, and that weird stuff in the prophecies. I just don't like it. Here's why you don't like it, by the way. Because you're a sinner, and because you're wrong, and because God's right Word is right, and it's holy. And there's a conflict of interest, and there's an exposure of of your flesh. I had a friend back in Ashland, his name was Kirk, and he was this big, tall, red-headed Viking guy with a big beard, and and he had taken his Bible, and he had uh, paper clipped together Peter's writings, and Paul's writings because he didn't like them. He didn't like what Peter and Paul had to say about submitting to the government and serving in that subservient way to the uh, imperial Roman government. He didn't like that. Well, it's because he had a lack of trust of God with the leadership that God had put him and us and you and me under. He didn't like it. reminds me of uh, the third president. What's the third president's name, Thomas Jefferson? Thomas Jefferson took his Bible and he actually cut it up and he came up with a really small version It's called the Thomas Jefferson Bible and it was a a whole different version (laughs) He took a whole don't do that. He took a whole bunch of things out of the Bible Like I just don't like it. I don't believe it. And so here's my Bible It's a Thomas Jefferson version back in the 1700s or whenever Thomas Jefferson don't do that God's word is enough Take it all and by doing so You show the Lord faithful you show the Lord able. You show the Lord honorable. You trust him. I got three kids, Noah, Nemo, and Acacia. They're at home watching right now. I love these guys. And they're just growing to be such amazing kids. Man, I'm just so pleased with Noah Nemo and Acacia. Noah just turned 13 last Tuesday. And Nemo's 11. He'll be 12 in July. And Acacia's 9. She'll be 10 in May. And as I see, I mean, these kids are so, so fun. And yet in their core nature, they're so rebellious. And they're still, they just question everything and they push back on things and they challenge and question. And within that, I see my own nature with those authority figures and with God himself. And yet there comes this time, and my kids model this. Well, they say, okay, dad. Okay, mom. And they'll get with the program. And we're, we're laboring with them. We're, we're convincing them, hey, we're not against you. We're for you. We're doing our best. We're in this to win this. And God looks at you and he looks at me and says, hey, my word, don't, don't, don't take anything away. Don't, it, you don't need to add anything. It, it's all there. You're good. Just trust me. I got you. Like, like a good dad would say to his, his great kids. And so that's God's heart for us. He does give a warning. He says the plagues of this book will be yours to deal with if you do those things. Because here's the problem. If you add to or take away from God's book, you're just going to be on the outside looking in. And, and Heaven is not your home and hell awaits you. You missed the program. You, you missed what Jesus said about himself. <sighs> Two more verses and we're done. He who testifies to this things, these things says, "'Surely I am coming quickly.'" Amen. Even so come Lord Jesus. Stop right there, eyes up here. The last message from Jesus himself is a reiteration that he's already said twice. Behold, I come quickly. Behold, I come quickly. Surely, I come quickly. To behold literally means, man, to just look up. Whoa, behold, uh, come quickly. Uh. Surely means it's a promise that as things speed up, that word takai used here again, three times in this portion of scripture, as the tachometer starts to rev up, it is a promise. I am coming quickly, surely. Amen, look at verse 20, the black letters. Amen, even so. Come Lord Jesus. This is cool. This is really cool. Because while Jesus promises to return when he returns and that's not really our problem, the last words we see here are a prayer for Jesus to return. Should we pray that the Lord would return? Even so, come Lord Jesus. Even my, my wife and I, lately when we pray at night, I just pray that he would return every night. Like Lord, please tonight, let, let us wake up in heaven. Like that would be so legit. Like I, I mean, life's so crazy. Like now would be good. And I would pray for the return of Jesus. And I think you should pray for the return of Jesus. Matter of fact, there's this portion of scripture. It's in 2 Peter 3.2. Let me read it to you. 2 Peter 3.2 or 3.12. It says, therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, that is the old earth and the old heaven, what, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Listen, verse 12, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. Stop right there, As I up here. I don't know how this works. But Peter says, guys, it's all going to burn. So what manner of person should we be? It's, it's all going to, this isn't our eternal home. We're starting 1 Peter next week. Peter's going to talk to pilgrims and sojourners and people who are under pressure how to live their lives right, knowing that heaven is real, knowing that Jesus is real, that it's renewed, it's refreshing, all those things. And yet Peter ends in verse three of 2 Peter and he says, guys, look for the return of the Lord and hasten it. Hasten it means to hurry it up. It means to make it happen quicker. If you just take that at face value, the more you pray for his return, the more you look for his return, the more you live that way, two things will happen. Number one, like it says there, you'll actually speed up the return of Christ. Maybe Christ hasn't returned yet because some of you aren't looking for him. It's your fault. You <laughs> Help us hasten the day, bro. Like, look for his return. Maybe that's the case. Here's the other thing that will happen. Not only will it Hasten the day. By you looking for Christ, the blessed hope, it will change the way you live. It'll change the way you live. It's a win-win. Not only will he return sooner, but your life won't stink. You won't get off track. You won't get it twisted. You won't get so politically tipped over. You won't get so tipped over by our economy. You won't get so tipped over by your health or by fear or by fake news. You won't, because you're not really worried so much about this world. You'll hasten the day and you'll have a better life. Even so, come quickly. Final words, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all, amen. Not only is there a promise from heaven that he's returning, there's a provision on earth of his grace. It's all good, folks. Billy Graham was quoted one day of saying, I read the end of the book and everything turns out all right. (laughs) You ever watch Billy Graham? Like that was so, like I don't know much about the southern, you know, life or where he's from, but those guys used to talk slow and they give the gospel and people get saved and you gotta come to Jesus. And man, there's something just comforting about that. I talk kind of fast and, and, and I can just see Billy Graham just smiling. It all ends good. It's gonna be okay. There's grace for the day. There's a promise from heaven. All these things are working together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. What does he tell us to do simply in this last portion of the Bible? He says, keep this prophecy. Keep the word, keep it, keep it. Both keep it to the best of your ability, but cherish it like a keepsake. Keep his word near to you and also keep his work. Don't stop sowing, don't stop sharing, don't stop serving. In John 13, right before Jesus died, he washed the feet of the disciples and said, guys, I did this as an example, now go do the same. Don't be lazy, don't be selfish, be a servant. And every time you're lazy and selfish, grab a towel, wash somebody else's feet. Keep his word, keep serving, but also keep witnessing. Let people know, come. The spirit and the bride say come, come to Jesus. You who hear, say come. That's your message, just invite people. It doesn't matter what you think of them or what you think's gonna happen. Let God be God. Not just are we gonna keep his word, keep his work and keep witnessing. Listen, we're gonna keep watching. We're going to watch. You ever been to a train station or um, an airport, watching the planes come in? It's kind of fun, you know? Trains are big and planes are crazy and cool. And and when you're watching, it's kind of cool, watching a plane land. Listen, there's a difference between watching and waiting. Watching's good, but when you're actually waiting, let me use the illustration differently. Let's say on that plane or on that train was a loved one that you hadn't seen in a long time, that you were super excited to, to see you would not only watch planes and trains, but you would wait. And you would see a a plane just like a normal plane, normal train, but it's because of who's on that train and who's on that plane that makes that train, that plane so special. The blessed hope, Jesus is coming. Behold, my words are true. It's gonna happen on the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the root, I'm I'm the fruit, I'm the offspring of David, I'm everything. So much more, guys. So much more. As a matter of fact, there's some things I, I forgot to say today that, about, about the book of Revelation that you're going to read today, Revelation 1, and, and, and then tomorrow, Revelation 2. Then you're going to go online and you're going to download the December 5x5. You're going to read Revelation. And there's a unique blessing. We began Revelation on June 9th, 2019. Because remember 2019? So cool. So cool. And now we're going to continue plugging away through God's word. We're gonna get into his word, get his word into us. I wanna leave you with one verse out of 2 Corinthians, chapter five. 2 Corinthians, chapter five. Paul says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us, the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Would you read that later today? Would you read it every morning? If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. Old things have passed away. And Christ has now employed you and implored you with that word of reconciliation. That Christ has redeemed the entire world to himself. And the spirit and the bride say come. I want the spirit to do a revival in Newport. God won't do it without my help. Some people try and do revivals in their own strength without the spirit's help. That won't work either. Together, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. With God all things are possible do not give up hope friends do not give up hope do not give up ground we serve a God that is bigger than Corona okay that is bigger than a government that is bigger than your health that is bigger than sin that is bigger than death there's nothing that can come against you don't stop running don't stop reconciling don't stop growing are you in pain right now Spiritual pain, you're blowing it. You're just making mistakes. Marital distress, marital divorce, chaos, death. What's going on? Pain is a privilege. God is working on you. This is the rock quarry of life. Relationship must happen right now. The people you live with, the the folks you are in fellowship with, they're designed to sand you down. This is why it's imperative that we find fellowship in this pandemic while we don't forsake the gathering as some forsake the gathering but instead we make ways not just to gather with hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people that's so fun but that we gather and say hey i got some rough spots can i open up my heart will you still love me this is what the church needs to do right now the message of reconciliation as if the spirit of god were pleading through us be reconciled to god would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, in Jesus' name now, we thank you, God, for your timeless word, for your timely word, for, Lord, the message of salvation, for, Lord, the power of the Holy Spirit, for the provision of the blood, for the fellowship of the saints, for the promise of heaven, for the grace for earth, for all of the things you've given to us, we thank you in Jesus' name, and we, Lord, repent, we repent and ask, Lord, you would help us to partner with you in this humbling process. We humble ourselves before you. We humble ourselves before you. We repent. We call out, Lord, ourselves and say, We need you, Lord. Please come heal our land. And let it begin here. Let it begin in our minds and our hearts and our marriages and our singleness and our friendships and our ministries. Let it begin here. And we thank you, Jesus, that your plan will stand, that you will not come up short, that you will not come up dry. Behold, you are coming quickly and your reward is with you to give to those who walk in the commandments of God. Help us to be that church. Help us to be that church. Holy spirit, would you pour out yourself upon the men and women of South Beach church and beyond Lincoln County, the church of God. Forgive us of our sins. Reconcile us. We pray. I thank you, Jesus for all you've done. Bless all the services this week, all the things going on, all you're doing. Thank you for the office space here and the people that'll come in and visit us this week. Lord, we're so blessed. Thank you that we get to be back on December 6th in person taking communion together. We plead the blood of Jesus over our bodies, minds, and spirits. Protect us, we pray. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. God bless you guys.